0: Hello, friends, and thanks for tuning in to the Bandwich Tapes. I'm your old pal Brad Williams, and I'm glad that you're joining me uh, for another episode of the show. I've had a few people that have asked me why is it called the Bandwich Tapes. Uh, So, I guess a little inside baseball here. When musicians and bands play gigs. Typically, corporate gigs, wedding gigs. Uh, The meal that was provided for the musicians typically is not as good as the meal that's provided for the guests. And it's usually a little box lunch with a sandwich and some chips and a cookie, you know, like you're uh, on an elementary school field trip or something like that. So. The just the term bandwich. Uh, I've heard it as long as I've been playing, so I just thought it would be a fun little play on words for the title of this podcast. So there you go, the bandwich tapes. So today, I'm excited for you to hear my interview with my friend, and incredible musician, Mr. Steve Ward. I met Steve back in 2011 on a gig that was put together for a wedding. Uh, we talk about the the origin of that gig and how we met. And ever since that day, uh, he and I have just been like best pals. He's just one of my best friends in the whole world. And I just have so much respect for him in, in every way. I aspire to be him as a musician. I aspire to be him as a human being, as a sound engineer. He's just, he's the total package. And I'm really fortunate to be his buddy. And I learned a lot having this conversation with him about... His early life uh, traveling, uh, living different places because his dad was in the military, and how he picked up a lot of different music along the way uh, during that time of his life, and then how he came to be a professional musician. And uh, I just love him to death. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, I hope you're enjoying listening to the podcast. Tell everyone about it, share it with your friends and your neighbors. And a lot of really cool episodes coming in the near future. So here's my interview with my pal, Mr. Steve Ward. Well, good afternoon, Steve Ward. How are you, man?
1: Good afternoon, my friend, Brad Williams. I'm doing well.
0: I appreciate you taking some time and just let me uh, tell the people of the world everything there is to know about you and uh, all of uh, all the great things you've done. I I was going to say right out of the gate that I always tell people that my dream when I was learning to play music, I wanted to play with James Taylor. And then, <laughs> and then I met you, and I knew that is the was the closest that I would ever that was
1: get as the closest you were going to come. Yeah.
0: Get to playing with James Taylor was playing with you because you were my guitar <laughs> and vocal hero, and uh, wow. j- just just uh, just love the way you play. And everybody that anyone that's ever heard you knows the they feel the same way that I do. So well, I'm just I'm just
1: prefer- you know it's crazy that uh, you say that, but I. I was thinking today, do you know that, I mean, it was, our, I'm sure that we'll get into this, but our history was, of course, through Tommy Dodd. But do you know that it wouldn't have happened the way that it happened without a band that I don't know their name canceling a gig at the
0: last minute? That's right. Yeah, I don't know that's, who that was.
1: I don't know who it was. One of these, I I don't think I'll ask and write him a letter of thanks or something but i know it was it was a total accident but we i'm sure we would have met we but would have it was met. the circumstances and it was it was the moment in in that moment there was something yeah it was just crazy how it happened
0: well let's just talk you know what we'll we'll we'll, we'll go in reverse we can get to that yeah what we'll, let's I can't wait to talk about it because I actually went back thankfully I've I've used I've put most of my gigs on my calendar. I actually went back and found the date of that gig. Uh, oh my goodness, talk, seriously? Before we talked today. Yeah, I was curious. It's
1: gonna be way before I thought it was.
0: <laughs> it's uh it it was it was longer for me than I thought it was. It's really yeah. interesting. So yeah, yeah it's crazy. Okay. So okay. well let's start at the beginning. So you are You live in Georgia, but I know you weren't born in Georgia, right? Where were you born?
1: I was born in Denver, Colorado.
0: Denver, Colorado. The Mile High City. You are uh, the son of uh, uh, someone in the military, right? Your yep. dad? Yeah. He was a
1: career man in the military. Right. Stationed at Lowry Air Force Base, and that's where he met my mother. Really? At uh, Calvary Temple Church, where they really? both attended.
0: Yep. That's really... And and I know what was your dad's name?
1: Gilbert. Gilbert, Gilbert James Ward, not Ty Perry's.
0: <laughs> and, and and what is your mom, your sweet mom's
1: name? Uh, Joyce Vivian Joyce, but she dropped the Vivian long time ago.
0: Okay, all right. And I know you have a brother as well.
1: Kevin. Kevin. He lives in Spokane, Washington.
0: Yeah. Is he younger or older? Four years younger. Four years younger. Okay.
1: But much wiser. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. He's I, been
1: through a lot more than I have,
0: believe <laughs> me. Um, so I know. So you were born in Denver. Uh, how long did you live there?
1: Oh, nine months. I mean, oh. oh, yeah. We were gone basically, except for two places, Um, we were nine months at a time everywhere. I don't know why that worked out in the military, but it did. But we got to stay three years in Biloxi, Mississippi, and three years in Grand Forks, North Dakota. So,
0: <laughs> you know, so similar. There's to those the luck two. of the draw. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, how old were you when those th- things were happening? I was in um, first, second, and third
1: grade in Grand Forks, but we lived in a little town way outside of. Grand Forks, where you had to walk to school and everything, and the whole walking to school in 30 degree below wintertime
0: oh was, my.
1: yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a great little town, and it's still there. I mean, I have, I have looked up the town, and really, it hasn't
0: changed much. Really, yeah. So, so we're all, so you lived there, you lived in Biloxi. Was that after in, there? Was that after? Uh, Biloxi
1: you? was after there, it was junior high, and I started high school there, but we lived in. We we were back and forth to Denver a couple of times. My sister was born at Fort Worth, Texas, and then we were back to Denver. Uh, then we lived in Riverside, California, for nine months, and then back to Denver while my dad actually went to uh, went overseas during the Vietnam War. He wasn't in Vietnam; he was in Thailand. And um, then we did Biloxi. Oh, we had there was a stint in Sar, Oklahoma. We got all the good gigs, believe me. <laughs> he wasn't a pilot. He wasn't a pilot. Okay. If you're a pilot, you got the good gigs. Never wow. overseas, or and never in any of the good places. But and, but and Plexi how, twice though.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. how How old were you when you when you all landed? in – because you landed in San Antonio at some point, right?
1: Yeah that was uh, that was my second year of high school. Okay. So I don't know how old you are in second year of high school. Yeah. But uh, I was there. But that's where I stayed the longest. Uh, because he retired there um, and then after he retired he went to went to work for Hewlett- Packard like the next week after 22 years in the military he went and had 25 years with Hewlett Packard but I stayed in San Antonio when they when they moved to Atlanta so oh, okay All I was right. there about nine or ten years in San Antonio went okay. to finish high school went to a little bit of college I love San
0: Antonio yeah. I, I, I've been in a lot of cities in Texas, but I have not been to San Antonio, but I've heard.
1: Best food well, in Texas. That's
0: what I've heard. That's what I've heard. <laughs> so, musical family? Did, did uh, you have a musical oh, family? Oh,
1: no. My mother was musical. She played the violin when she was young, and her sister played the piano. Um, but uh, she ended up playing – she ended up not liking the violin, but she had a music appreciation. She was, she was my music – uh, it got me in touch with music. Uh, yeah. My mother did. My dad was very outgoing and very comfortable in front of people, but couldn't carry a tune if it saved his life, <laughs> even when he was the song leader at church. Wow, really? Yeah. They had him be the song leader for a while because he was so enthusiastic, but it was horrible. It was <laughs> absolutely horrible. We'd hear him practice all week for it and, and – it was worse than when they talk about kids and their violins. It was terrible. It, it's like, But he got everybody participating.
0: It's like that scene from the Andy Griffith show where they keep asking Barney to sing softer and softer. I, mean, I That's just – when you started saying it, that's the first thing that I thought of. Yeah. But, but he – I'm sure he – you know – he led with his face, right? And, and
1: Absolutely led with his face and tried to keep time, but he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> I remember one time he asked me, he said, now, choir, what do they do? This and this and this. And this. And it's like, he ended up just doing this. <laughs> and, but it worked. People were, they loved him. They loved him doing it.
0: Oh, that's And we great. just turned
1: the mic off, you know, and doing no big deal. <laughs> that's
0: great. Well, how old were you when you kind of got the the were bit by the bug of, of i was seven music.
1: years old i was bit a few months before that saw elvis my grandmother was an elvis fan she liked two singers primarily elvis and jim neighbors okay go figure but uh i saw elvis on tv and he had the guitar and he was singing and little did i know he couldn't play the guitar that well <laughs> but um I said, that's what I want to do. And my grandmother said, well, I'll get you a guitar. And um, so I ended up getting a guitar uh, for my seventh birthday. And the deal was that my parents were okay with me getting the guitar for my grandmother if I took lessons for a year. And so I agreed. But I got my green stamp guitar that she bought at Sears with green stamps. See if anybody remembers that. (laughs) And... um, and I started taking lessons uh, immediately, and passed up the year. Took lessons for eleven years.
0: Wow! From,
1: from tons of different teachers because we moved everywhere, and so I got a little bit of flavor from a bunch of different teachers. You know, did the whole Mel Bay thing, and uh, and where you had to go to lessons every week and write out the the music on the staff to where, you know what note it was, and where it was on the guitar. Different teachers just taught a bunch
0: of different things. Wow, man, and what a a great education you got. Oh, it was fabulous. That was afforded to you by having all these different places where you were learning to do it.
1: And the guitar teacher in Riverside, California, um, didn't even concentrate so much on the guitar as performing performing and accompanying, teaching me how to accompany myself which is a whole different thing than just playing guitar parts. Wow, what and a so great thing. And so that's where the singing kind of took off was in Riverside.
0: You know, when I was
1: 6th grade, 7th grade.
0: I mean, I know we've heard and I'm sure anyone that listens to this has heard someone that you can tell that they either focus a lot on the guitar playing of their trade or the singing part of their trade mm-hmm. and the other is going to suffer as a result. And mm-hmm. And what a great education you got right out of the gate on how to do out that. Out of the
1: gate, out of the gate. I, I wish I remembered her name, um, because I'd come home from lessons every week and they, what'd you learn on the guitar? Well, not much. <laughs> and, and I don't know that I, I I don't know that I really understood a lot of it, but it sunk in. Yeah, you know. And we've talked about that many times about the difference between getting up in front of people and playing songs and performing. And it took years and years for things to set in, but that's where it started, and I credit her a whole lot.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm just thinking about what all you were getting to do. I mean, you you got to focus on the music theory part of it. Mm-hmm. You got to focus on the the rhythm part of it the The melody, the harmony, the rhythm, I mean the the three the legs dynamics, of, yeah, the dynamics of it, mm-hmm. all of the things that I think it's uh, the things that I think you you probably do better than anyone I know that you you are you play with such great dynamics that as as someone who has been on the stage with you or has heard you or has sung while you were playing. It's just really inspiring to hear someone kind of go, take you on a a journey through, throughout a song just by making the dynamics move around. It's really Mm -hmm. something. Yeah, that's great. Well,
1: that's, I mean, that's, I think that's what they instilled in me and through a couple of other people. And then when I was on the road through the, the, the leader of the band I was on the road with. It's just, it's, it's different than, I've never been the guy who sat in my room and picked out exact guitar parts off a record or wanted to learn lead stuff. And it, it became something, the guitar was a vehicle to let me sing, but that opens up a whole world of things that, that I don't know. It's a lot of things that don't get noticed until you're doing it badly <laughs> and then it gets noticed
0: No, that's it that's, that's great <laughs> now I know exactly what you're saying yeah. do you, do, would you do you consider yourself a guitar player that sings or a singer that plays guitar
1: Oh a singer that plays guitar yeah and 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 the funny thing is though that's the thing I'm I'm way more... It's much more smoke and mirrors the singing part. I'm much more confident about the guitar parts but but I'm a singer so
0: so well you're a great singer and well, wh- when did when did you when did the, the the vocal part of it come into play?
1: Oh well, that was in choir high school junior high choir I, I was in choir in elementary school and uh, and then junior high and high school. And, and in college, that's what I went was a, a music thing with the choir in Trinity in San Antonio and uh, learned all the legit ways of doing it and then what not to do as soon as I was out of school.
0: Yeah. You know, it's – I would – and I didn't do – I did band in high school, middle middle school, high school, and I didn't, ta- I didn't do chorus until I was required to do it in college. But I've looked back on it and wished that I had – mostly from the discipline part of it and just learning how to breathe correctly and learning how to phrase and enunciate that is that is something that is worth anyone to to sing in a church choir sing in a school choir any opportunity you can to sing with other people where your oh, ensemble is important it that's some valuable stuff to to make yourself better as a singer.
1: Well, it's the ensemble of listening to the people around you and learning how to listen to the people on the other end of the stage. Yeah, and and blend with them. I mean, it's like a whole lot of things about school. There's a whole lot of things about that that you you learn how to learn, and it, it teaches you it, it teaches you a bunch of lessons that maybe you don't remember until forever
0: later well i would imagine that i mean you're you you have a an incredible studio you you may be as good of a live sound engineer as anyone i've ever worked with and i would imagine that there's a whole lot of that that you just learned by osmosis by standing in the middle of an ensemble learning mm-hmm. to balance yourself next to the people around
1: oh yeah well and that and Listening to records and not really <laughs> listening to the singer, I don't know what it. I don't know what that. I, I became a sound man in my early bands and stuff, kind of out of necessity. But I found it, and you know, and, and I think it had a lot to do with that whole accompanying thing, um, because I think one of, and I know that we've spoken about this, but one of the things that, that the teacher instilled in me was that. Uh, you're not just required to play the guitar part. You've got to hear what the drums are doing. You've got to hear what the bass is doing. You've got to hear what the piano is doing. You've got to hear what the strings are doing. And to make an effective accompaniment, you've got to pull all that together. So it's more than just the guitar part, even when you're just playing guitar and singing. And I think that's where that got started. And then it just went to the sound thing. i just fascinated by... Records and songs and and all that. I'm yeah. fascinated by it. I love it.
0: How old were you when you started paying attention to the production of the of records you were listening to? Probably
1: early high school. Yeah, sixteen, seventeen.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, what a gr- you know what a great time to be y- having kind of the blueprint.
1: <laughs> yeah. Laid out well, for I you. mean, I uh, I remember setting up just a makeshift stereo um, in my room for my for my. and I had guitar speakers. I had speakers like piled up and all hooked together, so I could get the. I could hear everything as much as I possibly could, and I would sit and play, Doobie Brothers albums and Chicago albums, and just pick out the parts. Just listen to them. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just fascinated by it, you know. And I wanted to hear. Oh, I can really hear that that snare drum and hear the sound of the snare drum, and I could tell. You know, it's like okay, he's in a he's on a stage. No, he's in a room. No, he's in, you know, that kind of stuff. I just started listening to that
0: stuff a long time ago. Oh man, that's great. Yeah. So so when you were when you were coming up, learning how to play and sing, and who were let's talk about some of your heroes, some of your influences. You know, uh, who, who were some of your who were some of the guitar players that you were really zeroing in on. Well...
1: I mean, my main guy was always Glenn Campbell, um, and and it was because he was that kind of a performer. I'm, like I said, all this stuff, I couldn't put a finger on it then, but it just appealed to me. He could just sing
0: and play the guitar, and um, were you? I picked up – go that, ahead. No, I'm sorry, Steve. Go ahead. At, at, at that point, were you hip to what all he was doing on the West Coast as a session player, or was this Mm-mm. just as, as, no as, as a – yeah,
1: yeah. I knew him from the Glen Campbell Good Time Hour when he took over for the Smothers Brothers. Never heard of him before that. Yeah, he, it's only been you know, way later that I learned all that stuff that he was with the Beach Boys and all of those records and the Sinatra records and yeah. and all of the Wall of Sound records and stuff that he yeah, was on.
0: All that Wrecking Crew stuff he was playing yeah, on. It's that's, just That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about Tommy Dodd and Timeless Highway late and a little bit later, but one of the things i am I cherish the most is that we got the opportunity to do a show with Glenn Campbell one time years oh. ago. And uh it was it was unbelievable. <laughs> just listening yeah. to those songs and those songs that he did with wrote with Jimmy Webb and I mean it's just I mean, we I bet we've said it a thousand times, but you know, Wichita Lineman is as close to a perfect song as there ever will be.
1: It's the best line that's ever been in a song, is that line in the, um, and I need you more than want you, and I want you for all time. This is the best line ever in a song.
0: It, it is. While, while this just incredible descending uh, chord, harmon- uh, harmonies going on at the same time is just, <laughs> yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, well that's great Were you So if you're watching The, G- the Glenn Campbell Did you Were you a Roy Clark guy Did you like Roy Clark
1: I liked Roy Clark I learned his Malaguena That he did On his electric guitar I learned that And played it In a talent show Out in Riverside That was fun I, I married that With Born Free did Really My mom put We put together medleys I, I have no idea How it worked But I got second place In A hey. Stars of Tomorrow yeah. anyway. <laughs> Nice but yeah, I was a Roy Clark fan. Um, he was, he was more flash
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: than you know. He he played lead and sang, where Glenn was like a performer. He could just sit and play. And I'm sure Roy, I'm absolutely sure Roy could do it, but it, it didn't it didn't connect with me the same way.
0: Yeah. Were you hearing all kinds of music at your house when you were growing up? Did would did you, or were you not a not a ton you were kind of picking it up on your own uh, did yeah. you you know I mean I, I know you know you were talking about Chicago and um, you know some of those records I mean those huge bands what did you were you listening to like I mean Glenn Campbell I know James Taylor you were you mm-hmm. know getting into all that stuff were you were you is that when you were in California or had you moved already
1: Um, it, it started in California yeah it's, it started there but um, then after California that's when we went to Mississippi, and that's when my dad came back. Oh, that's right. That's when he came back from Thailand. Um, we, we did a stint in in uh, in Denver, and then he came back from Thailand with stereo equipment that he'd bought in Hong Kong.
0: Really? And
1: oh, yeah. And then that was that was a huge step up from the TV speaker, and uh, and we had real stereo then, and, and <laughs> it was. That's when it took off for me, because we only had one in the house, but then I started kind of putting together my own with the crappy leftover stuff that we didn't <laughs> need. You know? And and I, uh, I joined the Columbia Record Club. Oh, yes. And I got my first 13 albums for one penny. And um, I got Chicago Live at Carnegie Hall. And that was the first one I started studying um, with a bunch of other, Three Dog Night and and Doobie Brothers stuff, and I don't even remember what else. That's the one that stuck with me, was the Chicago at Carnegie Hall. And I wasn't even really a Chicago fan before that. I had never heard their studio stuff. I went straight into their live stuff.
0: Man, and then, what a what a band. I mean, they, they changed the game for everyone, I think. Oh, I mean,
1: for everyone.
0: You know, all those horn bands, you know, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Chicago, Tower of Power. I mean, all those bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just... They were just the total package, though, and
1: yeah, you know, and they did it different than the other guys did. I mean, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. I never got into Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I like their their radio songs, but something about Chicago was like, there was a lot more going on.
0: to Well, me. to have this this horn section that just can play all of that, and then you have someone like Terry Kath who just come on. What he does not get. He does not get the credit he deserves as a guitar player, as far as I'm he's, concerned.
1: He's starting to. That's what's the craziest part, yeah. is, that, is that when you hear people talk now, he gets mentioned with the greats who left too soon kind of a deal, you know? Yeah. I mean, wasn't it wasn't it um, uh, Hendrix that said, when people talking to him about how great he was, he said, no, there's this guy, Terry Cap. He's the greatest.
0: He, yeah, he's the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. No, that's great. Well, I know you're yeah. also, a, you're, you're a great keyboard player. You're going you're going to say you're <laughs> not, but you are. No. Uh, when did that, did you just kind of pick that up along the way or did you take some lessons I, on piano?
1: No, I never. T- well, I mean, I had to learn, I had to, in, in theory classes, I had to know my yeah. way around on it, but I never took piano lessons. Um, yeah, crazy stuff. I'll, I'll finish this story in a minute, but, um, I remember I saw the movie Born Free, and it was the um, – who did the soundtrack? I can't remember. Uh, Was it Roger Williams was playing the piano or something? And I went and bought the sheet music and just sat and picked it out because I knew how to read music, so I just sat and picked it. We always had a piano around the house because my mom played piano by ear. She could only play in the key of seat. She played everything that she knew in the key of C, but she could play a ton of stuff. And I know, and I, I read the music and I picked it out two handed to, to play that. And then in high school, I ended up playing accompanying a couple other people on piano for some live things and stuff like that. But no, I, no, I'll tell you this, this, this will embarrass you. Um, I remember I've, I've always had keyboards around, and I've always used them to record with, and I got it on the whole MIDI thing, and it's like, yeah, I can get around on it, get around on it. And then you and I did the art weekend, or the art week or something at Wesleyan, yes. after I'd known you a couple of years. And you sat down and started playing piano, and I said, oh, uh, no, I'm I'm never doing that anymore. Oh, I said, stop. no, that's a real... I said, that's... Okay, he knows really how to play. I'm going to quit talking about oh my
0: gosh! for the rest of my life. Wow. I, I, <laughs> man, I I'm f- mm-hmm. feel very flattered, but very no. like, man, Steve, you must have been, there must have been a, a CD or something playing in the mm-hmm.
1: background. No, no, no. I know the difference, to Believe me. That's oh, why I don't do it in front of people.
0: Oh, well, I've heard you play. I We were at a gig somewhere one time, and I remember you sitting down and playing, and I was like, man, you just have a great feel. It's, it's, it, I mean, so much... So so much of it's feel, right? I mean, it's, you, a, feel. it's you know, a feel. You know, you you have you have it. You have the feel, just like you do on a, on guitar. You have a great feel about it, um, you know. And it's it, it always comes across. Your personality just it comes across in the way you play. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, so, when did you start playing with other people? Did you join any bands or anything? And I well,
1: my first band was in in California. Uh, we had. Uh, I played guitar. We had a flute player and a bongo player.
0: Nice. And I think
1: we added a bass player. And I think we played the Mission Impossible theme, (laughs) and um, because it had that, you know, and played a few different songs. Our only gig was for my sister's birthday, and uh, but my first real band was in high school. I had a, uh, I was I was working working in a a Christian gospel band through the church with some friends. And then I started a band in high school in San Antonio. Um, and, <laughs> I mean, always always uh, biting off more than I could chew, but all we played was Chicago and Doobie Brothers. Wow. And so this was a very large band. We didn't gig and make any money. Um, we had five horns, two drummers, bass, keys, guitar, and... Percussions, And and we did a couple concerts at school and a couple of, like, state fair things or whatever. Um, but, I mean, we could never make any money. And, and, and we had to steal the bass player. We had to steal the black bass player from another school because nobody was funky enough <laughs> in our school to do Tyran Porter parts.
0: Not many people ever have been, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> That but that was long. that was where
1: the band thing started with me. So yeah, you're playing you
0: know. like rhythm and lead guitar and singing mm-hmm. in that band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, were you the lead singer in that band?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. But but four of us sang. So I mean, we we really covered everything. And I remember I bought the Chicago the complete works. Have you ever seen that? That's it's all their sheet music in a book written out, separated for different parts.
0: Really, like, like, almost like in score form for in
1: score form. You had a master score, and then you had like trumpet,
0: uh, oh wow.
1: every every part. Well, that makes and things easier
0: for for bands that want to learn it. Yeah, because we could
1: all read. We were all in band or choir or whatever, so we could all read. Our two drummers were the two uh, uh, drum majors at the high school. They were oh. best friends and totally different kinds of drummers, which was really fun.
0: That's so much fun. Yeah, are, are it was there, great. Were there any recordings done and no. there's nothing – oh, man, that's too bad. No. Oh. I
1: have a picture someplace of us on stage. I've seen it. I know it's there, but I haven't been able to find
0: it in years. <laughs> what, what was the, uh, What was the name of the band? Illinois Central.
1: Oh, nice! That's the railroad that ran through Biloxi.
0: really. And then the yeah. line in uh, Long Train Running, which is really mm-hmm. kind of a double meaning mm-hmm. there. That's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so, so you go to college, and I know somewhere along the way, you got a gig playing in a show band, right?
1: Yeah, that was after I left Texas, um, uh, and I moved out to I moved out to Atlanta, where my parents had been for a few years i moved out here and um i was here and answering went to a bunch of music stores and found a card up on the bulletin board which they used to do i don't know if they do anymore um, uh, for an agency that was looking for a guitar player singer for a band and i called them up and answered it and it was a band that was actually out of long island but their agent was in atlanta and um and they said, well, send us a tape. And so I gathered some stuff from some old recordings. I'd been doing some studio work, jingle work, and working for a couple other Christian artists and stuff in Texas, where we had worked in a studio in Austin and a studio in San Antonio. And, and so I had some cassettes of different things. Um, and so I made it like a six-minute thing. It sent it to the agent, and he sent it to them. They were in New Orleans at the time, and I got a call. I don't know. I think I, you know, overnighted it or something like that. And I got a call within just a day or two and said, are you the one singing the high part on Carry On, My Wayward Son? And I said, yeah, that was me. And they go, okay, well, we'll meet you in Pensacola. <laughs> and we'll get you We'll get you a plane ticket, and you come to Pensacola and do a tryout with us. And uh, they were in New Orleans, and I met him in Pensacola. And they were all, you know, New Jersey, New York boys,
0: and it was that was a culture shock. I imagine you. I imagine you received quite an education. uh, I received
1: quite an education (laughs) in all
0: sorts of ways. Wow! So what was the name of that? And I did that for five
1: years. Five Uh, years. Justice. 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 J U S T U S.
0: So. Were you doing the same thing, rhythm and lead guitar? and and then? Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, goodness. I saw the other day posted on Facebook a picture from, there was the last promo picture before I joined and the new bass player joined, uh, Sal something or other. But the guy who I was taking his place, he looked like Gina Vanelli. I mean, and he was a total rock guitar player. And he quit to go work with um, El Martino. Oh, okay. uh, as his personal like uh it, it was it was going to be his mentor after that so really i mean yeah he was he was really serious and, wow. and i was i was i had my homemade fuzz box and a <laughs> and, a, and a, a yellow plastic wah-wah pedal i mean i was i felt pretty silly but uh but i got the gig so
0: so what what uh how many pieces was that band
1: that was drums, bass, keys, me, the lead singer, and two horn players.
0: Okay. So that's seven piece.
1: And then we had our permanent sound in Lightning Man.
0: Really? Yeah. So what where were you, did you play all over the US? That we band? played
1: everywhere east of Minneapolis, Memphis, New Orleans. Okay. Never went west there. But we played and we would play in the north in the winter and the south in the summer because the money was better because nobody else wanted to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Corporate, like, trade shows and that kind of stuff? Now, w-
1: we did a couple of trade shows. Mostly it was holiday inns. Mostly it was hotels. Okay. Hotel lounges. You know, yeah. uh, that was the big thing back then. You know, you go to the ho- the Holiday Inn in Elkhart, Indiana that has the Holodome. And then they've got a club attached and they got a stage. And we would do... Uh, floor shows and dance, sets five nights a week.
0: Really? That's, that's a...
1: In outfits.
0: Oh, Poly- man.
1: Polyester one-piece outfits in red and white.
0: Man, Steve. I, <laughs> I, I, there have to be some photos of that someday. I have
1: some photos, dude. <laughs> I, I do. I do. Hey, I had hair then, too. It was exciting.
0: <laughs> oh, man. So, if you had to if you had to quantify some of the things you learned in that experience, how would you describe the, the way you went into that band as a musician and then the way you left? What did you feel a lot better?
1: Oh yeah. That, that was the biggest, aside from that lady teacher in California, that was the biggest education I had in being on stage. The front man of that band um, was and still is very, very active. He plays in Italy and New York and cruise ships, and he's still very, very active doing it. Um, but he had a voice like Larry Graham, a kind of a deep voice, but he could do anything and he was a consummate front man. And I learned very, very quickly, I, and the band learned too, that I was not going to be the wild lead soloist. I could play rhythm and I could play funk. We did a lot of that. But I wasn't going to be the big lead guitarist. I mean, we did a couple of things where I had to do some REO Speedwagon thing on a 50-foot chord and, and do some legs and stuff. But I never was that guy. So, um, the education that I got was kind of taken over as dual front man. And we kind of started working as a team out front rather than just one guy. And that's where comedy and performing and all that kind of stuff came in he's the one that taught me he said don't think of what to say just say the first thing that's on your mind and go with it (laughs) that's that was that was one of the greatest things that i ever got taught just just say what just first thing comes to your brain talk it you can get in trouble sometimes but you can get out of it
0: too yeah and then you're not going to sit there and overthink it you're just Mm -mm. going to do it you know yeah no that's great (laughs) <laughs> no, it
1: was it was a wonderful education it really was and the the grind of me was like 50 weeks a year
0: yeah I was gonna say you know and I'm sure you're playing on on the bandstand with a bunch of great players great singers <sighs> great and players yeah. and then you you're just doing it night after night hour after hour you're gonna mm-hmm. get better and better right oh yeah
1: oh it was it was a tremendous time of growth cool. for me yeah
0: yeah what years would that have been
1: uh it's uh, the the end I played my first gig was just before New Year's 1980. And then I quit just before just the end of 85.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. So so after you stopped playing with them, you were living in Atlanta at that point?
1: I moved back to I moved to Atlanta and um and uh, started playing some solo gigs mm-hmm. where I could find them. Excuse me. Um and then got a girl singing partner and started doing it stuff.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I know, I know you've, you know, done some, did some projects along that way. Mm-hmm. I know at some point you, um, you were playing in a band. Uh, I'm fast forwarding a lot here, so I apologize, mm-hmm. but I know you were playing with a band, uh, some great players, three way street players mm-hmm. and singers. And, um, this would have been how what around what year did you start playing or did that band start playing God. that's going to be around 2002
1: probably okay okay well, I, I you know i'm okay. terrible with dates well, i have to it- I have to put it around who I was married to at the time, and <laughs> and, and, and believe me, they'll tell you, I, I don't remember those dates either. So. Uh, I But it I, had to have been before that, because I played with him for a long time. We did that for about 11 years. How did you meet Easter. David?
0: David Ellis.
1: He, I had, um, I was playing at the original Houck's down on Johnson Ferry, and I had doing Sundays there, solos and duos, and... And I had a little trio at that time. And we, um, we started doing this thing, Steve and Friends, where I would just invite a bunch of friends that I knew. And um, then we kind of got a band going together because of that. And um, our, regular, our regular fiddle player, Tony Duck, couldn't make one of the gigs. And, and he said, well, call my friend. Uh, he could probably do it and that's when I met David Ellison he showed up um, in his in his black Stetson and his you know western shirt and pressed jeans and everything and played fiddle and that's when I met him was just at a gig
0: no kidding
1: yeah he was a sub and then then we kept when we kept going as a country band we kept both of them after
0: that that's That's right because you you also had a band Wichita that's Mm -hmm. right that's right
1: yeah, none of these bands shook the world, but but we we played, you know, around Atlanta a lot. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Met a I, lot of people because I like, can't believe I never heard you at Halks. I used to go there from time to time and listen. You know, would go here like Mike Veal or people play play there, and I played there. Well, they were the names sometimes. there. It yeah. was
1: Mike Veal and and Banks and Shane were the names yeah, there. But
0: that's right.
1: But I think we ended up playing there more. But just they didn't have to charge cover charge Yeah, the yeah.
0: <laughs> So, so I think I think this is it, there's this is as good of a time as any to to fast forward to September tenth, two thousand eleven. Wow, September tenth, two thousand eleven. That's the date. That I is looked,
1: further back than I thought.
0: Yeah, I looked it up and uh, I was like, well, let's see if I can find, and it said. A uh, Timeless Highway gig in Rome, Georgia, and I think I put in parentheses TBD, because I had no idea. It It was so last minute, I didn't even know what to put well, on the Well, and y'all were playing
1: Yellow Daisy Festival that morning, right. or that noon, I think.
0: So I was playing in a band called Timeless Highway, and I played in that band for a long time with our buddy Tommy Dodd, who uh, unfortunately is no longer with us, but he is is and always will be. Just a staple of of music and steel guitar and, and not just Atlanta or the Southeast, but everywhere. I mean, everyone who knows about steel guitar knows about Tommy Dodd. And, you know, just like you were talking about playing in that show band, that's the same way I feel about playing with those guys. And that I just got a music education every single time I played with them. Uh, I was a lot younger than them and they had all played for a living. They all, And I, I mean, I was just, I wish I could go back and tell my younger self how lucky I was to get the opportunity to play with people like that Mm -hmm. because I knew I was lucky but I don't think I knew to the extent that I was so all of that to say I was playing with Timeless Highway we were playing a lot back around that time oh yeah we did a lot of the radio promotions for Kicks and Eagle the two country stations at the time in Atlanta we had played a gig on the afternoon of the 10th at the Yellow Daisy Festival and did you get called, or were you doing the ceremony music for that wedding? David and I were doing the ceremony
1: music, and it was for um, it was for a friend of a friend. It was for Natalie's best friend, uh, Natalie Fuller at the time, her best friend. And, and just a, I mean, I don't remember if it was, I don't remember how last minute it was, but it, it was within a week of the wedding that natalie called me and said kelly's band bailed on them for the reception do you know a band or can you put together a band blah blah and at the time i thought uh, there's no way i could get something together to play for three hours for this because my people had just kind of scattered and um but i knew tommy and i actually i wish that i remembered how i met tommy but he had actually come and sat in with a couple of my different groups, and he would come and sit in with me at some of my solo gigs. Some of the most memorable nights I ever had playing solo was me on acoustic guitar and him on the steel, and we'd play, in, and people were just amazed by it. But I knew he had Timeless Highway, and I had never heard y'all, but I knew all about you. And so I called him up and I said, hey, this wedding gig lost their band. I said, you know, I am not responsible for this, but... You know, it pays money, and <laughs> do you want to do it? And they want a country band. And y'all were the only real country band that I knew. But Tommy was the only one I knew. Yeah. And he said, well, we're playing Yellow Days. and I said, they won't care. Yeah, they won't we, care what time you get there.
0: Yeah, so we played and, you know, made that very short drive from Stone Mountain to Rome, Georgia.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and the, the one thing Tommy said, he said, well, yeah, we'll do it, but, you know, how about you play with us? You hang it, you play with us. That was the deal. And I said, Well, Tommy, I mean, I would love to play with your band, but, you know, hey, I'm sure y'all are fine. He goes, No, you play with us. Because he and I played together mm-hmm. enough. So that was the setup.
0: Yeah. And so we roll in and quickly set up. Quickly because, set up. Quickly set up because this was, <laughs> I, I believe people were starting to arrive for the wedding. It couldn't have, yeah. I mean, it.
1: Yeah, you were setting up during the wedding.
0: Yeah. And so we're going to do a quick sound check. We would always play like, but for the grace of God as a sound check tune. That was kind of Uh the thing. And I, you know, I think we may have quickly discussed that you knew that tune as well. Uh So we started playing it. And dude, when we got to the chorus, I mean, I was just like, where have you been my whole life?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I thought about this too, is that. You know, forever after that, when we started working together, when we would do that, I would always sing the high part, but your guitar player, he sang the high
0: part. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so it's like, okay, well, that's already taken. I better sing the low part. And all of a sudden, it was just this beautiful three-part harmony that sounded like we'd all sung together forever.
0: Yeah. And the thing
1: that struck me was that no matter what you did, I understood what you did. Your phrasing was like... It wasn't exactly like the record but it was like a singer and it was like I understand that and I can I can breathe with that I can sing with that and that was I mean, what I mean we we're halfway through the chorus and we're doing
0: <laughs> we look at each other like okay I know No, it's like yeah. the the mutual admiration society oh, from the very beginning just yeah.
1: thunderstruck yeah
0: but for the great Must have been more lucky guy And it only knows how I've been blessed With a gift all it's you know and after hearing and I knew a lot about you coming up as a musician but I didn't know the full story of it and hearing I think so much of your formative years as a musician they're very similar to mine and yeah being in a in a school music program uh, there's just there's a lot of value in that it was one of those things where we spent the whole night playing and having fun and then at the end of it I'm just like well we're gonna to have to find some more ways mm-hmm. to play some music yeah. with each other.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I I remember coming home from that that night, having a talk, and saying, you know, we're we're twenty some odd years apart, and we think exactly alike. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's know.
1: like how does that happen?
0: How does that happen? Right. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. So, you know, I think some time went by, and then we started, we started doing some. uh some duo some co- I think mm-hmm. the first duo gig we played together was a a corporate duo gig if I'm it not was mistaken.
1: it was it was down in that is in Kennesaw yes Kennesaw down off of uh whatever Barrett parkway at that office building where we played down by the creek and that's, all that kind that's of stuff
0: exactly right yeah. yeah i I will tell you now you know and I played with a bunch of people and had done a lot of cool stuff. I guess I I thought a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. I was completely a nervous wreck going into that gig because I did not want to screw up because I just (laughs) had so much complete respect for you as a musician and just thought, man, don't don't show up and blow it. And I I was worried to death about... Knowing your tunes, and I still feel like I played like garbage that day, but you know it just I was mesmerized with what you well, did and how you did it.
1: Well, we played that one, and then I think just a few days later we played that one over in front of the noisy building with the with the uh, trans America with the food trucks being right there that we set up That's like right. kind of in front of a door or something. It was horrible, but I just remember I remember the first day. I mean, I felt the same way, except I knew I was looking forward to it. And mm-hmm. it was like, hey, this is my gig. They like whatever I do, so that's fine. It'll be fine. But I just remember it's like the two hours where they were gone like that. Yeah. And and then the horrible gig where we couldn't hardly hear anything. We're just singing and laughing and just yeah, having
0: a great time. That's it.
1: And I was like, no, this is this. And then it was like anything we could possibly do, I want to do.
0: That's it. That's the way I felt too. That's what it became. And and anything mm-hmm. that we could do under the sun after that, we did. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it would be duo gigs or trio gigs or full band things, throw and
1: together a band of anything. You know, throw together yeah. things
0: and yeah, done a lot of cool stuff. But man, I got to tell you, just sitting it together at just the two of us playing it like Montana's, where you have a room full of people that care about what you're doing and they support mm-hmm. you and uh it's just been it's just been awesome <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and, yeah it's it's been okay it's been a big hole in my life since uh y'all decided to move on to new territory yeah
0: so. i know I, and i and i i miss it too i miss leaving feeling inspired that's really what it was it was like yeah, yeah. just just going and and uh you would always play something And I'm like Where in the world did that come from, Steve? <laughs> I, I mean, you know We would play We w- we would always play Like Shower the People That was always such huh. a fun tune And mm-hmm. I, I, and right now I'm going to say it in the past tense But, but w- the songs that we still play Like Shower the People There you, go. There you um, go And every time you would play this intro to it And I'm like Well, th- okay, there's there's more amazing stuff I've never heard you play. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, you know you just okay. I'll tell
1: you. I'll tell you what. It, I tell you what. That my feeling about it is. I don't think you and I ever had a competitive day, a competitive gig in our life. No, but we always and it's never happened this way with anybody else. And so you know, however this sounds or whatever, but. I always, and I know you felt the same way in just different ways. I always wanted to impress is not the right word, but, but inspire or whatever. Yeah, it's like I always wanted to do something that would make your musical time more interesting. And it was, it was always, it was, uh, it was an inspiration, and there was always. Just something about it. Even the worst gigs that we, the worst, most boring gigs, we just find a way to enjoy it.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, but that, it that, was
1: never competitive. I'm never gonna. Like, ah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna show him. Right. It was like
0: that's exactly it. Was, it. And, and it look, was like how how can
1: you mesh better? You know that kind of thing.
0: And and look, I, you know, there there are moments where. Musicians are in a situation like that where it's a little bit of this weird competitive thing, and I know exactly what you mean. It was never that way. I wanted, yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to play something and be, and you'd be like, if I, if I did, play, if I played something or sang something, and you looked over at me and you were like, you know, yeah, yeah, man, that was like worth it all, you know.
1: Oh, I remember them specifically. I remember, I remember the licks that you would throw in. It's like wow, that's off the record, like, and nobody plays that. And it's like, wow, that was cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember. Yeah, And well. then uh, you'd play things that I'd pick up on, and then we'd play them the same from <laughs> then on or the, the other way around. Yeah. And just kind of like, those were our inside jokes that we just would always do.
0: That's exactly right. No, that is exactly right. And, you know, and and, and I will tell you this, too. Your playing and your singing are second to none but it's also very easy to play and sing and feel inspired when the sound on the stage is perfection and you you are a master of getting things sounding the way that they're supposed to and that that's that, that, that's something that a lot of a lot of players a lot of bands they don't they don't focus as much attention on as they should and uh it's rich fantastic stuff man
1: well that's nice of you to say and and that's actually kind of surprising but i appreciate that because <laughs> it's always just been something that you know i always carry around way more stuff than than i should and it's always a lot more work than it should be but it's like i want it to sound good to us and to them and um and anything I can do to make it easier on everybody, plus it's just more fun too. So I don't know.
0: Well, and I, look, I was doing a. I've
1: had know, a lot of practice at that part of it, believe. Me. I,
0: well, and I'll tell you, I, I you know, I worked at uh, I worked at a private school for a long time doing a lot of audio video stuff, and there was me as an audio person before I met Steve Ward, and then there was me as an audio person after I met Steve Ward. You, I. It was it like it opened up my ears to a whole new world after I started. See, but that's what I
1: think about you. (laughs) That's what I think about you because you're just you're always so much more knowledgeable about it than I am. I would just I would do a seat of the pants thing, you know, and then figure it out later. Well, what did I do? Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, you're you're stinking great at it, dude. (laughs) You really are. Um, So, so what? What all are you doing now? I know you're you're getting to play some great music now. Uh, you're you've got a pretty happening little band going right now.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this girl. Um, well, you know Wes, and Wes and I've been doing the most of my the bulk of my duo work for the past couple of years after you left, and that's more than a couple of years now. But um, uh, he kind of became the. The, the other part of that. But I met this girl, Heavenly Brousseau, and she was a server at one of the restaurants I was playing. And she can write and she can sing, and she's 25 years old and crazy as can be. And we are having a, a really exciting time. Played a couple of big things and a few small things and uh, hoping to have
0: something really going by the springtime with a full band. So, Man, that's awesome. and And I'm sure that... You know, getting to, you know, play with someone that just brings a whole new energy is is a really, just an amazing thing. And, I, and you probably are feeling really inspired, which is fantastic. Well,
1: I've, I've always, you know, several different times I've had really great uh, female singers to work with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, some girls that I learned so much stuff from and and music wise and then I went for the longest time not working with a female and it's like I miss half the great music that's out there and then all of a sudden uh, this kind of comes along now and even as young as she is she's really knowledgeable about 70s you know 70s music and some of the stuff that she loves from, from her parents and things and I'm constantly surprised. I say, do you know this song? Yeah, let's do Black Velvet. I'm just like, you know that song? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it's... a Melissa Etheridge tune. Let's do it. Come on.
0: Oh, that's and, great.
1: And then she'll turn around and just kill an Adele tune. I mean, with the power and everything that she can do it. And um, just, so we're, we're having fun. Well,
0: we're having a good time. Having that, that wide variety of material... Just the sky's the limit on what you, what you can play and where you can play it, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, people want to go out and hear stuff that they don't normally get to hear.
1: Yeah, and plus she's a great writer.
0: Oh man, that's great. Yeah. So. Well, I hope uh, I hope to get to play some bass guitar. Next to all of that greatness, at some point,
1: uh, that's that slide is still completely open. Believe me.
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. I know you're doing some live. You you continue to do live sound stuff, right? You you have a, a regular. You, we work at a church regularly, right? Mm-hmm. Running front of house, and then are you mixing audio the for their live stream? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've sent me some samples of that, and it is about as good of live stream. As as I've as I've heard, which reminds me, like I do want to say this for the record before we while we're doing this today. Speaking of live stream,
1: speaking of live streams,
0: um, at the end of my journey in life, when I look back on the time I spent playing music, you know, I will certainly remember those weeks during COVID. When we would play these live streams at Wesleyan, and it was like we would just kind of put together a different thing. It would be a trio or a four piece or a two piece, or every week was a thing, you know. And then the last one we did, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, I we we sat in your RV the next day and and listened to some of it, and I I mean I'm not ashamed to admit I stood there and cried like a baby because it was magical i mean it was Mm -hmm. it was magical i'll remember it for the rest of my life it was uh just all the effort and the work you put into that to make it happen man i i hope you know how much i appreciate you doing that
1: i do but i it's that was one of the high points of my musical life believe that day
0: it was it was unbelievable. I actually went back and watched some of it. I hate watching or hearing myself. <laughs> I was just
1: going to say, you I mean, can't stand to do that. I
0: hate it. Uh, but I did listen to some of it because I just, you know, just, I just wanted to experience like having been removed from it for a little while. Um, and it was just as good as I remember it being. Just everyone, everyone that showed up and then just... Just the wide variety of, of players and singers, and yeah, it was really cool, man.
1: And nobody out there trying to compete with each other. No. Not a single competable bone was there. Yeah. It was amazing. With I think there were 17 of us. Yeah. And you get 17 musicians in a room to play all day and kind of take their different places, and somebody's going to come out, you know, bare knuckled, but yeah. there was none of it. It was amazing.
0: In my, uh, in our living room, we have a, I have a, we have a nice sitting area with a turntable where we'll sit and put some vinyl on. And sitting on top of that is the group photo from that night. That uh, I walk by it every single day and look at that and like, man, that's just uh, that. That's a night. Yeah, I'll remember it forever. That was just something yeah. else. It, it was, was something else. It was. It really was special. So, well, Steve. I've taken up too much of your time. I could sit here and do this for the rest of the day. But uh we're gonna say we're gonna call this part one of this conversation because I think <laughs> sometime we're going to come back together and we're going to try to remember all the great ideas we had about music that we would talk about on gigs that we said, you know, we need to write this stuff down and talk about it someday because uh you know and
1: now you've got the
0: vehicle that that's it that's it you've well got
1: the, you've got the vehicle you need to pass it on now that's
0: brother that's it that's it well brother i love you to death i just can't thank you enough for just spending some time telling everyone your story um i think a lot of you have a lot of fans in the world a lot of people that respect you and love you as a musician as a human being and i think them having a glimpse of you knowing your story and how you got to where you are—I think it's just going to be a, a cool thing for people to check out. So I appreciate you taking the time today to do this. Well, I appreciate you, my brother, and I miss you, I and miss I love you, you forever. I—I I feel the same way, and we'll—we'll uh, uh, we'll do it again soon, man.
1: All right, my brother.